0: When he walked by a group of several boys, and the boys were gathered up around a dog, the preacher was concerned that the boys might be harming the dog in some way. So he walked over and he he asked them, what are you boys doing with this dog? one of the boys said, the dog is just an old neighborhood stray, and we all want him, but only one of us can take him home. So we decided that whichever one of us can tell the biggest lie gets to keep the dog. Well, the preacher was somewhat upset by their little game. And he said, now, you boys shouldn't be having a contest telling lies. And then the preacher went into a little five-minute sermon about lying, beginning with the question, don't you boys know that it's a sin to lie? And he ended his little sermon with the statement, why, when I was your age, I never, ever told a lie. And there was dead silence for about a minute. And just as the preacher thought that maybe he had gotten through to them, one of the boys gave a, a big, deep sigh And he said, all right, the preacher wins. Give him the dog. You know, the sad truth about lying is that all of us have lied in some way at some point in our lives. And yes, even preachers. There are many ways that distorting the truth takes place, but when it does, then damage of some kind will always be the result. The sermon today is going to be the third in a series of six sermons that I'm doing on the subject of taming the tongue. In the introduction of this series, back in July, we studied the fact that our words can have the power of life and death, as Proverbs 18.21 on the screen tells us. Words have the power to do much good or much evil. God's desire is for all of us to learn how to control our tongues so that our words can bring life. In the second sermon in this series last month, we studied what I called corrosive talk. And that was the problem of complaining and criticizing. That can be as damaging to our lives and the lives of others as acid is to many materials. So today we're going we're to study about and focus on another important aspect of our speech, speaking the truth. And I'm calling this sermon today, The Truth About lies. I'm sure that we all remember the story of Pinocchio and what happened to his nose when he lied. Now, thankfully, our noses don't grow like that when we don't tell the truth. Or a whole lot of people today would have some really long noses. In 1833, when Abraham Lincoln was 24 years old, he was appointed to be postmaster at New Salem, Illinois. Lincoln's yearly salary in that position was $55.70 yearly. Lincoln served in that position for the next three years. Three years later, in 1836, the post office he was in charge of was closed by the government and Lincoln moved to Springfield, Illinois. Several months later, a postal service agent from Washington came to see Lincoln to settle accounts with the ex-postmaster. Lincoln was then practicing law in Springfield and he was having a hard time financially. So the agent told Lincoln that there was $17 and change due the United States government. Now today, that wouldn't be a big amount for most of us. But back in 1836, that amount was equal to about $500 today. So Lincoln walked over to an old trunk, he opened it up, and he took out an old sock tied up with a string with some coins in it. And he untied the sock and he poured the coins out on the table And there was the exact amount, right down to the penny. You see, Lincoln had been holding on to it for all those months since he left the postmaster's job. Lincoln once said, I never use any man's money but my own. Now Lincoln was financially in need and he could have taken that money and spent that money for himself and then lied to the agent about the money and he might have gotten away with it. But 24 years before he became the 16th president, Lincoln was showing the kind of character that earned him the nickname that we all know Honest Abe. Don't you wish that all of our government officials today were as truthful as Honest Abe? Sad truth is, telling the truth has fallen on hard times. You know, our world today has sadly shifted to the morality of self-profit, self-advancement, and self-promotion. And falsehood is often seen as a virtue, a good quality, and not a vice, a bad quality. changing line from a vice to a virtue is just one symptom of the great change in our way of thinking today and how we as a people often think about right and wrong to the average person today wrong is not always wrong, and right is not always right. And there's a name for that kind of thinking. It's called situation ethics. Situation ethics. In other words, the right or wrong of an action depends on the situation. It depends on the circumstances. So therefore, according to situation ethics, lying is not always wrong and telling the truth is not always right. Unfortunately, this undermining of the absolute value of truth has serious major consequences. You know, truthfulness has some very important benefits. Things like trust, integrity, security, and stability. But the consequences of falsehood are mistrust and doubt and insecurity, resentment, and anger. A famous philosopher once said, when regard for truth has been broken down or even slightly weakened, all things will remain in doubt. This breaking down of trust and confidence affects every relationship in which falsehood is a part of. When lies are part of people's homes and marriages and families, there's going to be instability and destruction. When lies are part of our way of life, the motives of governments and leaders become suspect. Information from the media is viewed with doubt. And business relationships become untrustworthy. And you know we're seeing all of that. We're seeing all of that and a whole lot more right now, today, in our own country. Lies unfortunately have become part of our way of life. And the truth about many things is becoming harder and harder to know. Just for example, will we ever know the whole truth about the origin of COVID-19? Will we ever know the whole truth about the election of 2020? Was there election fraud or not? Will we ever know the whole truth about what really happened on January the 6th of this year? No relationship, no government, and no civilization can survive much less succeed if it's based on lies, what is false. And that's why God makes it so very clear in the Bible that telling the truth is so important. So what does the Bible say about lying? Well, actually, it has a whole lot to say about it. The Bible makes it crystal clear that God hates lying. And he expects us, as his children, to be truthful people. You know, in the Old Testament, one of the original Ten Commandments deals with telling the truth. In Exodus 20, 16, The ninth commandment says, You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. In the text that Benny read in Proverbs chapter 6, we have not one, but we have two mentions of lying in that list of things that God hates. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift and run into evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. In Revelation 21, verse eight, when describing those who will be punished in the lake of fire and brimstone. In that list, God includes liars. Here it is. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So why is truth so important to God? Well, to begin with, God's great concern for the truth is because of God's very nature. For example, in Psalms 31, the psalmist says that God is a God of truth. In Titus 1 verse 2, Paul tells us that God cannot lie. John 1, 14 tells us that Jesus is full of grace and truth. John 14, 16 and 17 tells us that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. John 16, 13 says that the Holy Spirit's mission is to guide us into all truth. Psalms 33, 4 says, For the word of the Lord is right, and all His work is done in truth. Psalms 51, 6 says, Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. And in John 4, 24, Jesus tells us that truth is one of the keys of acceptable worship to God. Familiar verse to us. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So therefore, our commitment to truth aligns us with God's commitment both in God's nature and in God's mode of operating. Romans eight twenty nine tells us that our very purpose in existing as God's children is to be conformed to the image of God's Son. And because of that, we must not participate in falsehood because that would tarnish the reflection of God's glory In In other words, if God is truth, then we too, as his children, must be truthful to accurately show God's image in our lives. Truth must be a part of our entire lives and being. And here's another important reason why we ought to be people who speak the truth. It's a matter of submission and obedience to God's will. God's word commands us to speak the truth. Proverbs 13 verse 5 says, A righteous man hates lying. In Colossians 3, verse 9, Paul wrote, Do not lie to one another. In Ephesians four, twenty-five, Paul wrote, Therefore put away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. And nowhere in the Bible does God give us an exemption of any kind from those commands. They are absolute. And final, our conscience cannot be clear before God, and our joy cannot be full if we're involved with that which is false. Telling the truth is a matter of submission to God's will and obedience to God's command. And here's another reason why we ought to be people who speak the truth. For Christians, lying should be a thing of the past. In Colossians chapter 3, Paul wrote this to the Colossian Christians. He said, Do not lie to one another. Since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. You see, our new life in Christ aligns us with Christ and his truth. John eight forty four tells us that Satan is a liar from the beginning. He is the father of lies. You are off your father the devil and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. But in Christ... In Christ, we should be living under God's power. And we ought to be following God's ways. So what does it mean to lie? And what does it mean to tell the truth? Let's spend just a few moments looking at some different ways, some different ways that we might be tempted to lie and distort the truth in our lives. And before we talk about outright lying, let's think about some other subtle forms of deceit. You know, there are ways to be just as guilty of falsehood without telling what we might think of as a bold-faced lie. First of all we can deceive others through insinuation. You know insinuation is kind of kind of a no risk lie. All we have to do is just to wonder or speculate out loud about somebody else and the seed is sown. It's saying one thing, but implying something else. For example, we might say, well, I I wonder how so-and-so got all their money. Or I wonder why so-and-so is so popular. Or I wonder how so-and-so got that promotion and the damage has started. Insinuation or implication is one of Satan's favorite tools. Secondly, another kind of deceit is through something called beguilement. Now, that's an old-fashioned word that we don't use much anymore today. We don't hear it much. But it means to influence somebody by trickery or flattery and deceive them by guile or charm. You know, in reality, flattery is not encouragement. Flattery is not just compliments. But it's saying something to kind of soften somebody up so that we can get something from them in return for ourselves. You see, underneath all the flattering words, we're mainly concerned with helping ourselves. That's the goal. Proverbs 29 verse five says, a man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. We're gonna talk a lot more about about flattery and bragging and exaggeration in another sermon in this series. Thirdly, we can deceive others by leaving out important facts. Here's a little story. The story is told about a, a wealthy woman who invited some of her rich friends to a very elegant party in her home. The woman wanted to serve some mushrooms to her guest. She was not sure whether or not the mushrooms were still good and and edible. So she gave some to her dog. Well, the dog ate them and he had no problems, no real effects. So she went ahead and served them to her guest. During the party, a maid rushed up to the woman, whispered in her ear, "The dog is dead." So in a panic, the wealthy woman rushed all of her guests to the hospital so that everybody could be treated. after everybody had left, the maid said to the butler, that car sure didn't mess up the dog. Now the maid had not told a lie, but neither was she totally truthful. She had been deceptive because she left out some important information. So. Insinuation and beguilement and leaving out important facts are deceitful ways to tamper with and and twist and distort the truth. And those have no place in our lives and our speech as Christians because the effects can be the same as outright lying. On the other hand, lying lying is the direct communication of falsehood. You know, sadly, we live in a time when outright, we could call it bold-faced lies, are told to us on a regular basis by public figures. And the idea is that if you keep on telling the same lie, the same lie over and over and over, then maybe people will eventually believe it. Take, for example, the case of Lance Armstrong. Lance Armstrong was a professional road racing cyclist. Lance Armstrong won seven world championship titles from 1999 through 2005. For almost 20 years, he denied using performance-enhancing drugs. And he tried to destroy the reputations and the lives of people who accused him of it. But finally, in 2013, he admitted that he had used a variety of performance-enhancing drugs to win those seven world championship titles. In his statement on a national news program, he said, this was one big lie that I repeated over and over a lot of times. And because of his actions and his lies, he was stripped of those seven championship titles. Many of you probably remember the Monica Lewinsky sex scandal with former President Bill Clinton, 1998. Clinton denied over and over, having a sexual relationship with that woman, he called her. Later on that same year, in August of 1998, Clinton admitted, in grand jury testimony under oath, he admitted that he had had an improper physical relationship with Lewinsky. That same night, he gave a nationally televised broadcast basically admitting that he had lied over and over and that his relationship with Lewinsky was not appropriate. And more recently, in 2015, there was the case of Brian Williams, former anchor at NBC Nightly News. For years, Brian Williams told a story about being on a helicopter that was shot down during the Iraq War. But soldiers who were actually on that helicopter said he was not on board. And in 2015, he was forced to admit that he had made up the whole story. And because of his lie. He lost his position as the anchor at NBC Nightly News. And those are only three of the many, many cases of public figures that have been caught in their lives. We could spend the rest of the time this morning talking about examples of them. You see, the old saying is true. Those who cook up stories usually find themselves in hot water. So why do people lie? Why do we sometimes lie? You know, lying is a quick and easy way to maybe gain advantage, protect ourselves, and promote our own personal interest. Sometimes people lie to get other people's attention or promote themselves in other people's eyes. Sometimes people lie to get rich or to get elected to some position. Sometimes people lie to protect their reputations and to escape punishment. Sometimes people lie to try to hurt or destroy others or get their way, or accomplish their goals. Sometimes people lie to try to cover up what they have said or done against others. Sometimes people lie, or sometimes people tell what they may think of as little white lies. But think about it. The expression little white lies is itself a contradiction because lying is never little, it's never trivial, and it's always part of the darkness that Satan wants to lead us into. Somebody once said, those who are prone to white lies often become colorblind. One kind of outright bold-faced lie is bearing false witness against others. We already mentioned the ninth commandment in Exodus 20 that condemns bearing false witness. And back in 1 Kings 21, we have an example of that happening. That chapter gives us the account of how the wicked queen Jezebel found two worthless men, scoundrels, to bear false witness and tell lies about Naboth so that she could get Naboth's vineyard for her husband, King Ahab. That's exactly what happened. Because of the false testimony of two witnesses, Naboth was stoned and Ahab took possession of his vineyard. During the trial of Jesus, Matthew 26 tells us that the high priest brought in two false witnesses to testify against Jesus to bring about his condemnation. So whether it's to get a vineyard or to crucify someone who threatens your position, bearing false witness is a serious offense in the eyes of God. That kind of sin often causes harm, often serious harm, to innocent people and their reputations and their families. And yes, it still happens today. That's why God says in Proverbs 19 verse five, a false witness will not go unpunished and he who speaks lies will not escape. Sometimes we may try to justify lying by thinking that we are helping and protecting others. So hey, that makes it okay. To some people, even sometimes Christians, that might seem to be a good and a valid exception to the righteous goal of being truthful. And people who believe that idea often try to use the Bible to justify it with the case of Rahab in Joshua chapter two. You may remember in that chapter that Rahab protected the Israelite spies in Jericho by lying to the soldiers sent to her by the king of Jericho. Rahab had hid the Israelite spies on her roof in some stalks of flax and she told the, the soldiers that the spies had already left. And where they went, she did not know. But the spies had not left, and she knew exactly where they were. Ram is often used as a model for people today who lie to protect others from danger. And because the Bible commends her, it's easy to think that her lie was not only the right thing to do, but that God approved of it. I have heard that idea preached from the pulpit in the church. So if that's true, if that's true, then all the prohibitions against lying in the Bible are not absolute. And that leaves it up to us to decide for ourselves when lying is okay and when it's not. So we're right back into situation ethics. But if you look carefully in the Bible at what it says about Rahab, you can see that her faith is commended, but not her life. For example, in Hebrews 11, in that well-known chapter that lists people of biblical faith, verse 31 in that chapter says, by faith the harlot Rahab did not perish for those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. Rahab's newly found faith was in response to God's actions on behalf of the Israelite nation. But in reality, her lie was a lapse in that faith. Her faith was incomplete. If her faith in God had been full and complete, then Rahab would have realized that God could protect the spies without her lie, without her lie. And you know in reality, Rahab's lie took away God's option to supernaturally intervene as he did so many other times. Like with the parting of the Red Sea. Or Daniel in the lion's den. Or Peter escaping from prison. We might assume today that it would have been a a bad thing for the spies in Jericho to have been found. But that's a wrong assumption. That's a wrong assumption because God can use what seems bad to us to work great good. So therefore we need to understand that Rahab's lie, Rahab's lie does not prove that lying is sometimes acceptable to God. It's our job to obey God And it's God's job to decide how it will turn out. Everybody remember this. It's always wrong for us to do what is wrong in our effort to help God do what is right. The famous writer Mark Twain once said, when in doubt, Tell the truth. It will confound your enemies and astound your friends. Let me close today with this true story. Many, many years ago, an old man was making a dangerous trip through the forest of Poland. Along the road, he met some robbers who demanded his valuables. After they took what he had, including his horse, they asked him the question, have you given us all? Have you given us all? And the old man answered, yes, all. And then they allowed him to leave. After he was some distance down the road, out of their sight, his hand touched something hard in the lining of his coat. It was a gold coin sewn into the lining of safety and totally forgotten by him in his fear. So the old man turned around and he went back and he found the robbers. And he said to them, what I told you was not true. It was unintentional. I was too scared to think. Here, take the gold coin that was in my coat. But then, to the old man's amazement, nobody wanted to take the gold coin. After a moment, one of the robbers went and brought back the bag with his money and valuables in it. Another robber returned his Bible. And then another one brought his horse to him and helped him to get on. And then they all asked for his blessing, and they watched him slowly ride right away. You see, truth was victorious over thievery. Truth will always win in the end. People of character know the importance of not only telling the truth, but living the truth. Those who live by it are blessed, and those who are exposed by it are destroyed. So today I challenge all of us to speak the truth and live the truth. I challenge all of us to put off falsehood and live and speak with with honesty and integrity. And as we do that, we'll be speaking life and not death. And we'll be speaking words that can heal and not hurt. We've already mentioned what Paul says in Colossians 3, He says, do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. When we live and speak the truth, we become more and more like our God. But you know, we can't put off the old man and put on the new man without becoming part of God's family, the church. Christ invites you to accept his invitation today. By believing that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God, by turning away from your sins in repentance, by confessing the name of Christ, making him the Lord of your life, by being immersed in the waters of baptism for the remission of sins, and then by living a new and a faithful life in Christ. And that faithful life in Christ must include living and speaking God's truth. If you need to respond to the invitation today in any way or to confess sin in a public way, or ask for the prayers of the church, or to obey the gospel, we invite you to come.